If you have a Bible with you today or a Bible app, then go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now you're ready. <laughs> we want to pick up in a series we've been teaching. This is round four called Fight Training. Everybody ready to fight? Yeah. Ready to learn to fight? That's what we've got to do according to the Scripture. Let's read here our text, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. It reads, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we can see right here, it's biblical, it's scriptural. We are called to fight. We are supposed to be fighters. Sometimes being a fighter will save your life. All right? Now, obviously, we're not talking about fist fights, sword fights, gun fights, or anything of that kind. But we're talking about a faith fight. And for those who may know how to physically fight but don't know how to fight by faith, something of an invisible nature will kick your rear end. Yeah. Sorry. Because <laughs> our battle is not just, uh, as the scripture said, with flesh and blood, right? We need to know how to battle spiritually. And, and, and the way we do that is with faith. We need to learn how to fight this good faith fight. Listen to this same verse from the, the worldwide English uh, translation. It, it reads this way, work hard at believing in God more and more. Make sure that you get every, that you get everlasting life. God called you to have it. You stood before many people and said that you believed in Christ that was the right thing to say. I want you to focus on that first part. Fight the good fight of faith. Faith is translated here, work hard at believing in God more and more. Isn't that interesting? Now, first of all, if believing were automatic, we wouldn't be told to work hard at it. So we're not automatically going to believe correctly. We're not automatically going to believe strongly, you know, sufficiently. There needs to be some effort on our part that is put into correct and proper and strong believing. Yeah. Now, if you read this like I do, you're, and you're aware of other scriptures or principles, it almost sounds like a contradiction. It's like, ah, it's in the same verse, but it's talking about working hard, fighting it sounds like human effort, which is kind of the opposite of faith. You know, I mean, isn't one way that we can describe faith is that we cease from our labors, we stop striving in our own strength, and we rest or trust in God's word and his promises and in Jesus' finished work? That's true. I would describe faith like that all day long. But there's something about what's happening here is he's talking about working hard at believing. In other words, let me say it this way. The, the faith fight that we're in is not so much an external fight, but an internal fight. It's not just about, you know, fighting the devil, 
per se, because how many know, scripturally speaking, the devil is already defeated? Jesus stripped him of his power, right? Took the keys of, of death and hell, right? And so we're not, in essence, trying to defeat Satan from, from, from taking us down. We are, we are inherently in a victory position. The victory has been won. Satan has been defeated. Jesus is on the throne. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Yet knowing that, we're still called to live this uh, this life by faith and to fight this fight, this good fight of faith. So it, it, it kind of tells me that a lot of what we're battling is inward instead of outward. So my working hard at believing is about working to get myself in a position of faith. Uh, th- there's another verse over in Hebrews that uses similar language. And again, it sounds... It sounds almost contradictory. Are we supposed to fight or are we supposed to rest? Yes. <laughs> Here's the verse, Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, the rest of faith, lest anyone fall according to this same example of disobedience. Talking about Israel coming into Canaan's land and their, their, their unbelieving disobedience. He said, you don't want to do that. You want to be diligent to get into rest, or we can say it this way, be diligent to get into faith. Be diligent to trust God, to, get your, to school yourself into belief, okay? Dil- that word in the, in the King James is translated labor. Labor to enter into rest. But again, are those, is that a contradiction? No, but he's saying make every effort, do, do everything you need to do to get yourself into a place of believing, as opposed to unbelieving as opposed to wavering, as opposed to doubting. The the Greek word there means to use speed or, uh, let's see, to make effort, be prompt or earnest. Again, earnest to do what? To get yourself in position of faith. This is how you win the faith fight. Hallelujah. So when I think about doing whatever it takes... If we recognize an area of our lives that is deficient or we're undergoing a trial or test and something is hard, that would be the area to build yourself up in faith. Make every effort. Okay, if you're not strong in faith in a particular area, then do whatever it takes. If you need to cut off some internet usage because it's a time usurper, or cut social media down, or television, or some other activity that is just not helping. Okay? Not necessarily talking about bad things. If you're doing something horrible, quit. (laughs) But I mean, a lot of things we do, they're not necessarily bad. They're just not helping. And if you're fine, if your faith is strong, then good for you. But the point is, make every effort. Meaning, if you need to stop some things, you need to add some things... Uh, do that so you can get yourself in a position of faith because then you'll win. And the, really the outcome is winning or losing a particular battle. Okay, well, for what, what would I do? Well, faith building activities are smart. Meditation on the word. Being in church like you are now, being in a service like this is a faith building activity because we're not preaching doom and gloom. 
If you, I mean, what I'm saying is you could go to church and if everything's woe is me, if everything's doom and gloom, that's not going to build your faith, so that's not going to help you win the faith fight. But if our words are consistent with God's faithfulness, His promises, the integrity of His word, we're going to come out believing more rather than less. You know, listen, go to our website and listen to things that are, that are uh, directed in particular at your area of need. And you'll get stronger in that area. Your faith will rise. I'm just saying, do whatever it takes. That's what the word is saying. Get yourself into a position where you are resting in his promise. And you're not striving, not worrying. You're not fearful. Do whatever it takes to move your mentality, to move your heart into that position. Now you're ready to fight. Now the enemy enters the arena of faith and you're like, boom, <laughs> you know, it's just not hard because your effort was made to get there. The actual overcoming the devil is not hard because he's already defeated. So I'm just battling the devil. I'm just fighting the devil. You might want to back up, turn off the TV, turn off the internet, get in faith and now say, oh, wait a minute. He's already lost. Now you're really fighting a faith fight instead of a fleshy fight. Hallelujah. It's interesting to me, just by observation, that often individuals who are struggling in a particular area, they cut off the things in their life that are designed to help them win in that area. I've seen people who have marriage struggles and then they stop coming to church. That's not smart. Why? Because that's one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that God is going to get answers to you. He'll move on you to forgive where if you weren't there, you wouldn't have. He'll build up, uh, you know, strength and love inside of you, which is necessary to succeed in that arena. Okay. People who have health troubles and they're a part of a, you know, church like ours, which we have strong, uh, you know, involvement in God's healing power. He told us to do healing services once a month, to have healing terms, teams at the end of the service. But they're having health problems, yet they skip the healing meetings. You know, if it wouldn't make you worse, I'd want to slap, slap you. You know, that spirit of slap. It's like, come on, use, use common sense. Build yourself up in the area you have need. Get stronger in that area. Don't do something else when... That's what is necessary. See, uh, our faith is under constant attack. And I want you to see what I mean by that. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, climate in our country and social decline and all that. Our faith is under constant attack by our senses. We have to deal with what we see and what we feel kind of like every day. Right? Living in a body means we are tempted to believe what we see and feel above what God says. And so if we don't learn how to overcome that inside of our lives, we are going to let the sense realm contradictions to God's promises overwhelm us. And we will believe what we feel more than we believe what God says. All of us have to deal with that. Come on, say it out loud. Say, that's me. That's me. I have to deal with that. See, if we don't recognize it, we allow it to happen. We become passive and thus overcome. 
See, faith is about continually denying the physical contradictions to God's word. Continually saying, nope, I don't believe that, I believe this. Nope, I'm not accepting that as final, as permanent. Faith is denying the right of certain things to exist in our life. Even when they're screaming out at us. Pain, pain, limitation, limitation, lack, lack, insufficiency. They scream at us all day long. And we have to learn to say, no, I believe God. Nope, taking God's word. Nope, not accepting that. I am accepting this. It's a denial of one thing and an embrace of something else. If that's not done repeatedly, we will embrace what we see and feel and thus limit our lives to this natural world. We didn't save ourselves. We turned away from ourselves and turned to the Savior and were forgiven and made new. We're born again. That's how we overcome other problems in life. We say, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what the report says. I'm turning away from that to embrace God and his word. If you would, uh, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 4. Romans, chapter 4. If you're new with us, you say, I don't have a Bible or know who Roman is. Uh, You have a phone in your pocket, I'm sure. Look it up. Look up Bibles. There's Bibles there. You can see this for yourself. Won't hurt. Definitely will help. You know, if you are a, I don't know if anyone here is, but if anyone is a a boxer and you box, amateur, professional, uh, but that's your hobby or that's what you do, you probably, if that's your interest, have studied some of the best boxers of, of, of our time and in history. You could probably name the current heavyweight champion, the lightweight, welterweight, all the different weights. Uh, champion. If you're a serious student of that sport, then you probably have learned from some of the best in that area. That's smart to do in any, in any uh, area of life, any sport, and even business and hobbies. You learn from those who are really good, those who have succeeded. That's a smart thing to do. If our goal is to become skilled faith fighters, then it makes sense for us to do the same. We should find people who are good at it. People who are good faith fighters, they overcome. I'm talking both contemporaries, those we can speak to or listen to, uh, but also, first and foremost, we always go to the Word, go to the Scriptures and say, who in there should I follow? Whose example should I mimic in my own life? And if you can think of one person that would stand out outside from Jesus, uh, one person that is highlighted in the Scripture above so many others, it's a guy named Abraham. Abraham is called our father of the faith. Abraham was a guy who firsthand from God learned how to believe. And uh, his situation, of course, he came into covenant with God and, and the Lord said, you are the father of many nations. He was old and childless. His wife was old and barren. So this is not just going to happen with a little bit of exercise and change your diet up. Uh, We're going to overcome this. No, this is either a God miracle or it's not going to happen. But God told him, you are the father of many nations. He even changed his name from Abram to Abraham. There's a covenant thing there. But it meant father of many nations. 
yet he's childless. He is the one we, learn, we can learn tremendous faith principles from. And so I want to read in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. It says, therefore, it is of faith, it meaning the promise, that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So we're also, of course, trying to imitate our Father. God does this. He calls things the way they're supposed to be, not the way they physically are at the moment. He calls things into existence. That's the principle of faith there. Verse 18, back to Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Here is revealed to us a secret faith principle. How did Abraham and, and Sarah get from childless to baby Isaac? How, how did they get from, from one point, it's impossible, you're old, it's never going to happen, naturally speaking, to, hey, we have a baby boy. How did they get, and it, the secret is, is here, Abraham did not consider his own body. Now, it's easy to read, but think about it. How is that even possible? How do you not consider your body? I mean, have you ever, if you're like me, every day I wake up, there it is. <laughs> and now we have mirrors. They remind you of your body. It, was his body not a factor? How do you ignore something like your own body? How it looks, how it feels, how it behaves. When he would wake up and look and it's still old. <laughs> still limited. How it behaves, what you can do, what you can't do. He said, Scripture said he didn't consider that. All those matter, all those issues were irrelevant to what God said. One of our challenges is we often consider every negative thing, every potential negative outcome, we consider it all. And if we have a challenge, we, we run through the negative list. And that's what we ponder. That's what we consider. And then we try to use our faith to overcome what that produces. So my challenge, and I'm thinking about the pain, thinking about what I can't do, thinking about what the doctor said, thinking about my bank account, thinking about what people have said to me, ponder, 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 consideration, consideration. I know I'm going to trust God. So this has produced in me doubt, fear, uncertainty, 
disbelief, lack of hope or expectation, now that I've let all that settle in me, become kind of who I am, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. That's not what Abraham did. He did not consider all these issues and then try to believe God. He just didn't consider it. He did not entertain all these negatives. I don't mean the thought never came to him. He wasn't, he was like us. When someone has a problem, the thought comes. He just wouldn't entertain it. That's irrelevant. Why is it irrelevant? Because God spoke. God has spoken, so my old body, my wife's old body and dead womb, irrelevant. Not going to consider that. Amen. I've noticed sometimes in just being in the world, certain people, I've seen faith work in them. I remember, uh, and my, my purpose here is not political, but I remember in 16, when Trump was running for president, I would hear him speak, and I thought, that, here's what my thought was internally, that guy has faith. I'm not talking about morality or, I'm not, that's not what my, faith. He would say things and I thought, he believes that. I mean that in a positive way, by the way. He believes that that's going to happen. He believes, he's it, it, it struck me. I'm not talking from a political standpoint. It struck me from a faith perspective. Recently, there's another guy that's big in the news, uh, Elon Musk. And I was listening to something about him. I was just curious and it was on the TV. I thought I'm going to listen to this. And, and they were talking about his, his business life and how he was a part of PayPal previously to Tesla and, and, and the Twitter thing that they're doing now. And, and his thing with uh, PayPal was they were going to get in the middle between, you know, basically take some ground from the banks to get involved in the financial system. And someone asked him, well, how do, why, how do you think that you can do this, that the banks will let you do that and take you know, part of the piece of the pie, putting it in my own words? And his response was, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and uh, partly it's probably because I was studying this to teach you, but that jumped right out at me. I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just didn't consider it. And he just went, pushed on ahead and made a gazillion dollars. And I wonder what we could accomplish if we just wouldn't consider certain things. Especially, especially when it comes to a promise from God. Okay? That we're just so trained to consider everything that could go wrong. How it might not work. Now again, uh, many people desire to have the strong faith that Abraham did. But yet... Very few desire to control their thinking like he did. We want to allow our imagination to run wild with all the negatives that could ca- happen, yet I'm going to be strong in faith like Father Abraham. The way that he did it was to learn what to put his mind on, what to consider and what not to consider, what to call irrelevant to the outcome. And amazing as that sounds, His oldness was irrelevant. 
his wife's dead womb was irrelevant to having kids. How does that compute? It only computes in the realm of faith. It only makes any sense when you know that God's word is final authority. And if you will trust in that, it'll change dead wombs and old bodies. This shows it's it's possible. You can disbelieve what your body is telling you and believe what God says instead. He did that. If he did that, we can do that. He's in Romans 4 for our benefit. So we could say, I have the ability to disbelieve what I see and feel in my body, in my bank account, in, my, in some area of life, and I can believe God instead. So, so well, how would I ignore this pain I have? How would I ignore the lump in my body? How would I ignore the non-functionality of a limb? You ready? I'm going to tell you how, you how you can do it. Just like Abraham did. The same way that he ignored his old body and Sarah's dead womb. That's how we could do it, and you could, you could put that in any arena. That's how faith works. We can do this. What did Abraham's faith look like? In practice, it was this. Because the time of the promise till the time of Isaac being born was many years. What did, what did it look like in his life? He said all the time, I am the father of many nations. His name meant that. Father of many nations, father of many nations. I could imagine every time, every, every day at dinner time, they're giving thanks for their food. Thank you, Father. I am the father of many nations. That's what I would do. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm the father of many nations. Childless, barren, and, and, and Sarah said, amen. Yeah? So he said, that's, this is how, what it looked like in practice. He said all the time, I am the father of many nations. And he made other people call him the father of many nations. Abraham. That's what it meant. And then also, of course, what else did he do? Well, since the promise is about having children, what else did he do? They weren't sleeping in separate beds. Lord, just make, make Sarah pregnant. He's saying it, and he's doing it. Year after year. I don't know if that took a lot of faith as well, being a hundred. I've never been a hundred, but maybe that was some faith too. Come on, Sarah, here we go. Here we go again. We've got a promise from God. We've got to cooperate with this. My point is, is that his words and his actions lined up. He said it, he said it, he said it, and he did it, and he did it, and he did it. Sarah, are you pregnant yet? Nope. Get in here. <laughs> We got a word from God. This is going to happen. I mean, no, if something doesn't happen for a little while, there's a chance you, you start wavering. That's not what he did. And this is our example. Year after year, he wouldn't waver. Year after year, he said, Father of many nations, right here. 
What does your body or your circumstances have to do with what God said? Can I give you the answer? Nothing. What I see, what I feel is irrelevant if I have a promise from God. If I have a word from God, what I see and feel is irrelevant. There's no use discussing it. In other words, if the scripture says, by his stripes you were healed, my pain is not relevant in this discussion. If the scripture said he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then my insufficient supply in my bank account is irrelevant. Well, what if the bills come and I don't have anything to, I would say right then is a good time to call yourself Abraham yeah. <laughs> or whatever version you, of that you want to use, which, which says my needs are met according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. What I see and feel is irrelevant. And these words, by the way, these principles, these scriptures are, are true. They have no exceptions. You are not the exception to the rule. This, remember now, what's the fight? What kind of fight? How do you beat someone in a faith fight? You try to get them to doubt. You can't. If you're the, the enemy of the circumstance of the problem, you can't handle a faith punch. A faith punch will knock you out every time. What you have to do is remove the faith out of the punch. So the enemy's strategy against us is to cause us to question God's word. Question the integrity of his promise. And make ourselves the exception to the rule. He'll look for any way possible to get us to disqualify ourselves from the promise. I imagine that those thoughts came to Abraham and Sarah. Well, you must have messed this up sometime along, along the road. You must have disqualified yourself, did something, because it certainly would have happened by now. To get him to lose his, his, his faith in the, in the promise of God. Go back to signing his name, Abram. So the fact that anyone has those thoughts shouldn't be surprising, but we just have to stay on it. I'm not going to consider that. That's irrelevant. That's a thought, and that's all it is. It's going to die in the thought realm because the, the, the faith of God working in me is going to stay with his word. Instead of, you know, you're, you, well, you sinned. Now you're disqualified. Now, yeah, yeah, that was possible before, but now you've messed up, and now you, now, now you get judgment. Now you get some other, no, no. That's how the devil lies, to put that seed in, that seed of doubt. To sow that seed of, oh, I wonder if, and what's wrong? I don't know. Nope, not going to consider it, just going to stay with God's word because it has not changed, even if I have done something wrong. So if you consider your body, for some it would be, if you consider your body, you can't walk. If you consider God's word, you can. If you consider your body, you can't have kids. We have people in our church, ladies in our church that couldn't have kids, and they believed God they weren't 90, but, but that was a unique situation, you know. 
uh, but they were childbearing age and uh, couldn't have kids for years and believed God wouldn't waver. And they have kids today. If you believe your body, there's no, uh, you know, you can't. But if you believe or only consider God's word, you can. Again, Abraham said something and did something. He spoke and his actions, again, we told you what the actions were. Maybe there were more. Maybe he got Isaac's baby room ready. I don't know. But he at least did one thing. (laughs) He spoke continually in agreement with God. And then he acted in agreement with God's promise. And that's where we just need to watch ourselves that we're not contradicting. Saying one thing, doing another. Right? We just stay in alignment with our words and our actions And the father of faith, the heavyweight champion of the world, (laughs) faith fighter Abraham was able to knock out barrenness and childlessness in his own life. Praise God. Let me finish with verse 20 and 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. You ever wavered? You probably have. Let's go back to our our, our example here. He didn't go back and forth, saying one thing one day and saying something else the next day. He didn't waver, but was strengthened in faith. When you do not consider your own body or circumstances, your faith will get stronger. But if we're going back and forth, weak faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that that what he had promised He was also able to perform. He gave glory to God. This is a recommendation, by the way. Okay, Not only to give credit to whom credit is due, but when you give God glory, it will keep your mind from drifting back. With every person who's taken a stand of faith, their mind, they've been tempted to draw back from that, to drift back into questioning uncertainty and unbelief. We overcome that by giving glory to God. Every time you think of it. And Lord, I thank you that my wife and I are having a baby. Thank you for for the promise of God being fulfilled. I give you glory for my financial circumstances turning around. I give you glory for restoring our marriage to what it used to be. I give you glory for causing my body to function strong and long. Come on. I, I give you glory, Lord. I give you all the glory. Say, how long do I do that? Till your mind shuts up with its, with its doubt. Yeah. You stay in that place. And then when you wake up the next day, you do it again. You make it a habit giving glory to God because it reigns in your thoughts. We all have to deal with thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. But Abraham gave glory to God. You think about it. It's it's interesting. I'm giving glory to God, so that's like for his benefit, right? But it seems to be for our benefit when we give him the glory. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud with me. Say, I can can win win in the arena of faith. faith. I have God's faith faith. working in me, me. and I can believe God over everything I see and feel. His word to me is more real. It is secure. 
I can stand strong on his word all day long. And I will not be denied. And I will not quit. For the Lord is my shepherd. He's my provider. He's my healer. My deliverer. My restorer. His word to me is true. And I consider nothing else. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you today. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promise.